It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. We will be taking your calls for the next hour talking Giants football. Paul, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Good to talk to you, John. We have survived some nasty weather here in New York over the last couple of days, but uh, happy to be aboard. Yeah, there was like a river uh, outside my house for about 15 minutes yesterday. During Any fish? The- no, I did not see any fish. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was pretty wild, the flash flooding and just the amount of rain that came down in a short period of time. It was quite the deluge. Yes. Um, but luckily, it passed quickly. The sun is out outside. It is, it is a little steamy, but it's nice. So we move on. A couple programming notes I want to make note of for everybody. Next week is my final week off before we get to – the training camp and regular season portion of the year. So Big Blue Kickoff will not be live. It'll be the same recorded format we've had before. So Lance, Paul, and Jeff will do some interviews with our opponents heading into next year, and they will get posted hopefully around noon each day. And, of course, they'll be on your podcast platforms. Then we're back live on Monday the 19th. We'll probably be back at the facility. We will probably not have video still just because of how the offices are set up. I don't think we'll have the ability to do video yet, and if we did, it would just look really bad. So <laughs> why do that if you don't would, have would to? Would that be because we look bad? <laughs> no, it's it's because of the way the offices are set up. So yes, I got uh, you. we still have parts of the facility that are inaccessible due to tiering with uh, the tier system that's in place. So we probably won't have video, but we should be back with our uh, 201 number. Uh, come Monday the 19th, which will be good. But again, next week's shows will all be recorded. They will not be live. So enjoy that week. And then we go full speed ahead come the week of the 19th, which will be about two weeks away from the first practice at that point and a little bit more than a week away from when players report. So it'll be good to be back and get moving with the start of the 2021 season. In the meantime, the offseason continues here, Paul. Last week, we did our offensive over-under numbers. Jeff and I set our defensive over-under numbers earlier in the week. It was supposed to be Paul, Lance, and myself doing this today, but Lance got called in for an emergency show over at Sirius. Somebody had some power issues over there, so they needed Lance to step in and host. Um, luckily they did not need Lance to go there in person. He probably would not have been able to keep his head above water based on some of the pictures I've seen around the city. <laughs> oh, that's cold. But it is what it is. He, 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 he is atop his ivory tower on the West side of Manhattan doing his serious show from there. So I have emailed Lance for his picks on the over-unders. I have not gotten them back. If you want to guess what Lance is going to do, he'll probably go under and around 90% of them. <laughs> so... True. I always like to have the contrast with Paul and Lance together. Lance goes on there and everything. Paul goes over on everything. And then we have <laughs> meet in the middle, which is where I usually stand. So I'm going to have to try to do my best Lance Meadow um, impression. Just be- remember, John, that's not planned. It's simply a gut reaction on my part. I know it's not planned. I, I don't purposely go against him. I know you don't. 
you know. But he that's was just fun. naturally born to be under, like everything, including bridges. <laughs> I so I will be since Lance isn't here, I'll be purposely a little bit argumentative, a little bit antagonistic, and generally annoying. So <laughs> that's where we stand. Okay, so let's get to the over unders here, Paul. Jeff and I didn't want to go nuts here with a million different guys in a million different categories. So what we decided to do. We did sacks for what we consider the top seven guys on the pass rusher list. I'll have you select some team leaders in the secondary with some statistical categories. Then we have some Blake Martinez over-unders. And then we have team interception total. So that's where we stand in terms of um, what categories we will do today. Are you ready to go, yeah, sir? let's go. Sure. All right. And you... by the way, we can still take calls, right? Of course. I said that okay. at the start. We're at 973-667-1960. Hopefully, God willing, this will be the last time I'm actually giving out that specific number. <laughs> but we will see. And then we'll be back with our multi-line setup at the facility uh, come in uh, a couple of weeks. So, all right, Paul, since... Everyone heard my over-unders already. I'll give them again today, and I'll argue back and forth to, to, to give some context on today's. I'll let you select. What player or category would you like to go with first? Well, come on. If we're going to talk about defense, how do we not start with Blake Martinez in some oh, shape or form? Okay, right? so let's start Blake Martinez, Paul. We what do you got? Remember, and just to keep in mind here, there is one extra game this year, so you have to take that into consideration yes. with certain counting stats which makes things a little bit more interesting when you do some of these stats in terms of teams. So you want to start Blake Martinez? Fine, I think that's a good one. So for Blake Martinez, Paul, Jeff and I decided to do two statistical categories. We decided to do over-under number of total tackles and mm -hmm. over-under tackles for loss for Blake Martinez. Oh. So where would you like to start where Mr. Blake? Well, total tackles, of course. All right, total tackles. Blake Martinez, over the course of his career, Paul, as you know, has been between basically 140 and 155 or so tackles mm -hmm. for most of his career. The last four years, he's been in the top five in total tackles. So given the fact that we have one extra game this year, last year he had 151 tackles, we're going to give Blake Martinez a chance to set a new career high with 17 games in the season. His previous career high in terms of tackles came in at 155. That was in 2019 with the Green Bay Packers. So this year, we have set it at 155 and a half. 155 and a half, which would give Blake a new career high if he can hit that mark. I'm going to go under here, John. Oh, so Jeff and I both went over. Nice. Yeah, well, here's the reason why. Because, as we all know, anytime you've talked to an inside linebacker or a middle linebacker, they will tell you that their two best friends on the team are the two defensive tackles who are in front of them. Dablin Tomlinson was a hell of a player. And while I believe the Giants' drop-off will not be significant, I think there will be one, but not significant. So they'll get by, and as a defense on the whole, they'll be better. But directly in front of Martinez, there will be a bit more traffic than there used to be. Therefore, he will have fewer tackles because Tomlinson is not there to allow him to be as free as he has been over the last couple of years. Okay. Jeff and I both went over on that. My thought was the extra game. And look, the Giants just don't have another inside linebacker that I trust, Paul. So everything mm -hmm. kind of gets filtered to him. 
I do think one interesting part of this, if the Giants do play more man-to-man defense in certain situations, those are fewer opportunities for a short pass to be caught in front of him, and he goes in and he makes the tackle before the first down marker, which is what he's asked to do a lot in zone, right? You drop, you keep it in front of you, you make the catch, you come up at me and make the play. So I think that's an interesting thing to watch, but to me... They want the ball filtering to Blake Martinez. If he stays healthy, and he's a guy that's always stayed healthy, that's never been a question for him, I think it's a pretty, I'm not going to say easy, but I think he's a real good chance to uh, set a new career high for tackles of 155 and a half. I will just add this, John. I truly believe he'll be probably at around 145. I don't think it's it's going to be a huge drop-off. But I think when you average it out tackles per game, because there'll be more traffic breaking through the interior of that line and and getting to him, he's not going to be quite as clean as he usually was. Nonetheless, he is such a productive player. I do think his total will probably come in at about 145. Very good. We did not do sacks for him. He's been at three the last two years, five the year before. I would expect him to come in probably at around three again, maybe four if they blitz him a little bit more man situations. But That's we, fair. But we only did sacks for the for the guys with their hands in the dirt. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. otherwise, we'd be here forever, right? So <laughs> let's go to tackles for loss. Last year, Blake Martinez had nine. In 2017 and 2018, he had 10. In 2019, when he kind of played that cleanup role on the Green Bay defense, he had just five. So much like with tackles, I'm giving Blake Martinez a chance to set a new career high here. I'm putting his over-under for tackles for loss at 10 and a half. And I'm going to go under on that again for the same reason that I just gave you. Because if you believe that the interior of the Giants' defensive line won't be quite as good at uh, collecting traffic in front of him, that means his tackle totals will dip just a tad, and his tackle for losses is also going to dip just a tad because he won't have a lot of openings to shoot through. So I could see him maybe finishing with eight or nine, but uh, that's under your number. I went over just because of the extra game. I gave him one extra one from his previous career high of 10, which he did two straight years in Green Bay. And the other thing I'll throw in there too, Paul, is that the reason his tackle numbers are going to be so high is that the Giants like to play two high safeties as their base package. And it makes sense. It allows you to disguise more. It allows you to prevent big plays. And the Giants' front is good enough to stop the run without having that extra safety in the box. So we that's, hope. Well, yes, that's what they were last year, and you hope that's the case again. I think it will be good enough, which is one of the reasons, by the way, I was more open to letting Tomlinson walk than you guys were this offseason, right? Yes. I felt more confident or felt, you know, I wasn't as worried about how the loss of his loss would affect the defense because I think the other guys can step in and, and do a facsimile of a job. And, and I think this is a good test to see exactly how much his loss will impact a guy like Martinez, but that's why I decided to go over there. And Jeff went with you. He went under 10.5 for Blake Martinez. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, in retrospect, the way it played out, they won't lose a ton at that position. But the thing that really surprised the hell out of me, John, and I'm not afraid to tell you this because, after all, we're not in the building, so it's not like we know anything. I never expected the Giants to take the kind of money that they could have given to Tomlinson and give it to Adore Jackson at corner. I just right. never thought that was going to happen. I never saw them spending that kind of money on a corner. And remember, you, which, you know, which is why I thought that Tomlinson and Williams could both stay. Yeah, and you can even make the argument that that money that went to Jackson almost got taken out of restructures too. You know, it's the money to Rudolph, the money to Galladay, and the money to Leonard Williams. Right, all that money kind of came out of that Tomlinson pot. 
which is why the Giants on the whole are actually better off. Right, right. But they sacrificed some flexibility the next two years as well by yes. moving contracts and the way they structured some of the contracts as well. All right. Do you want to go defensive back stuff next, Paul? Sure. Or do you want to go sacks? No, no. We can go to the backs. Okay. So we're going to do this reverse order that Jeff and I did. That's fine. <laughs> okay. No, I don't care. That's okay. All right. So rather than going player by player here, because Paul, you guys usually don't get a ton of interceptions. So I think going guy by guy here mm-hmm. is, is kind of fruitless and we'll just be here forever and everyone's going to be at like two and a half and it's boring. So... What I asked Jeff is to give me his leader and second-place finisher for total interceptions for the Giants' defensive backfield. Okay, so my total is going to be 14. Okay, well, I was I was just asking you for players, but that's another oh, category. Okay. No, that's fine, that's fine. I said over-unders for total team interceptions at 12. So you're going over on that. Yes. I went over on that as well, and Jeff went under on that number. Let's talk about that first. Now, the interesting part of this, Paul, if you play more man-to-man, sometimes that does reduce the quantity of interceptions, which is a bit of a risk here. It can. You're you're right. There's no doubt that percentage-wise, you have a better percentage of getting picks when you're playing zone because a poor throw or a deflected throw will be picked off by a guy who was in the vicinity as opposed to a guy who was blanketing a receiver. Well, and also, you have the guys in zone, you're watching the quarterback, right? Yes, when, no question. When you're, if you're a corner and you're playing man, your back is generally mm-hmm. to the quarterback and you're mirroring the wide receiver. Here, here's, where, here's where, though, I'm banking on the Giants being a better team and a team that will have a winning record. And by the way, Paul, I went over on this, too, so I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. With no, you and, and mm-hmm. th- these are all legitimate items to throw out there. Uh, I think that you know, the Giants will win more games. Therefore, teams will have to throw more yep. to try to come from behind against the Giants. And quite honestly, I still think their rush defense is really good, which also will lean towards having the opponents try to throw the ball a little bit more. So, uh, and, and look, should we not forget that the Giants also upgraded talent in their secondary as well? That's the thing. I think the addition of Adoree Jackson will prevent easier throws. And you have Xavier McKinney for an entire year. You have this entire defensive backfield in this system for a second season. I think you can put all that together, and they'll just be more prepared and more aware to make more of these plays to to force some turnovers. Well, just look at the the experience that you've thrown on to Julian Love and Darnay Holmes. Those guys, I think, are ascending players. Would you agree? Yes, though I wonder how much Julian Love's going to have a chance to play, to be quite honest with you. Hard to say. Hard to say. A lot's going to depend on the individual matchups. I think in some cases he might wind up being the dime back. In other cases, he won't be the dime back. I think a lot's going to depend on who they're playing on a particular weekend as to how they feel the skill sets match up against the other guys' skill positions. No, I'm with you. I agree. All right, so both of us are over on the team interceptions at 12. So let's go now to individual players, Paul. What giant players or player will be will lead the team in interceptions and which player will be second on the team in interceptions. Though that's the question I'm asking you. Mm. Do you want me to give you a Jeff and I tick first or do you want to be uninfluenced? No, no, I want to be uninfluenced. Okay. I want to be uninfluenced. I think the the giant player who will lead the team in interceptions will be Logan Ryan. Okay. 
Okay, I'll go there, and that, obviously because of I the— I also selected Logan Ryan, by the way. Yeah, the versatility in their secondary, how he is used in a variety of not only ways, but also he is a key member of their disguises. And he's smart. and He's, he's incredibly and smart. And no one watches more film than he does. And he's got good hands, John. Checked I all, mean, he, checks all he, the boxes. He really does. Yep. So I think he's a good pick to be number one. Now, you're asking for the second guy. That's where it gets nasty. It does. Uh, and, and Jeff and I both had two different names for the second guy. Okay. I'm going to say the second guy is Adore Jackson. Mm, because okay. I think teams are going to test him, at least through the first half of the season, until he proves that he is as good as the Giants believed he was when they signed him. Just two career interceptions for him. You know, yeah, but here's the thing. We know how great Bradbury is. Teams really don't want to throw to him if they can avoid it because he is so proven time and time and time again. Look, he made his Pro Bowl last year, too. Mm-hmm. He's so proven. I I just think that, you know, given the fact that Adore Jackson has not had big numbers – and because he's also had some injury issues, so he doesn't have the full complement of experience at a high level of play, I think at least for the first month, probably the first two months of the season, teams will throw at him and test him and say, Adore, you got that big contract? Let's see if you can live up to it. And that will give him a lot of opportunities. Okay, so my second choice, where number two is Xavier McKinney, and it goes back to the point I made earlier. Mm-hmm. I think when you're asking corners to play a lot of man-to-man, it's going to be very difficult for them to grab interceptions just because of the nature of the position and the, and the spot you're putting them in. Now, I do think the Giants are going to still play a, a ton of zone and things of that nature. They're going to keep it multiple. They're not going to become you know, one of the highest percentage of man teams in the league because I think that you know, defeats some of the strength of some of their players on that side of the ball. Yes. So I don't think they're going to go that heavy. You know, because every year it's Miami and New England, right? One, two, usually mm-hmm. at the top of the list. I, I don't concur. think they're going to be there. But I think, you know, last year they were like next to last in the number of times they played cover one. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to creep back towards like 15th or 17th, it something could. like that. You know what I mean? It could. So I don't think the corners will quite have the opportunities to get those interceptions. That's why I went McKinney who another guy like Ryan Paul will be used in a lot of different spots. He can be used deep. He can be used in the slot. So I went with him for number two. Jeff went with McKinney as number one. He he selected McKinney as leading the team in interceptions, and he had James Bradbury as number two. Hmm. Well, you know, here's the one thing I would say about McKinney, and quite frankly, if you'd favor Adoree Jackson, I would also think this may come into play too. I think Jackson is also going to be out to prove that he was worth the numbers that he got, which may make him a little bit more uh, risky, I should say, you know, a little bit more of a risk taker. He may be looking more to make the big play to prove that he was a top flight guy on free in free agency and deserved to get this deal. So he may be pushing to make more bigger plays. And I think you could say the same about McKinney, who has a second-round draft pick because of injury last year, only got to play the final month of the season or so Mm -hmm. and played really well. But this guy is foaming at the mouth to get snaps and to make big plays and also to show people that he should have been a first-round draft pick. So I think both McKinney and Jackson – are probably going to have their dials up a couple of notches as they try to play with a chip on their shoulders and and make an early name for themselves. 
That could also work against the Giants, by the way. As you well know, defensive backs who get, get real, uh, real, uh, become real risk takers can wind up burning you as yes. well. I hope it doesn't work out for the Giants that way. But that's the kind of philosophy that might lead to those guys getting more numbers. Which, by the way, is something that Joe Judge and Patrick Graham stress, not giving up big plays. So I'd be Correct. surprised if we get a lot of I would know, hope not. risk-taking, or at least reckless risk-taking. I would not want them to be reckless, no. but I would not mind if they're souped up. <laughs> that's fine. All right. So, I have not, again, I have not gotten Lance's answers on these yet. Let's go to passes defended or pass breakups, Paul. Who will lead the team in pass breakups? I just need one name for this from you. Um, I really think there's only two choices here, so it's a matter of which one you take. Well, you, you, you kind of have to go with Bradbury again because, you know, the guy's been among the NFL leaders a couple of times, and, uh, you know, you can't not throw to him, period. You just can't. I mean, you, you, you know, as an offense, you can't simply say week in and week out through 17 games, nobody's going to throw at the Giants' left cornerback. That's just not going to happen. He will get his share of, of passes thrown at him. And I do suspect, especially if the Giants do play more man, he will be able to compile some big-time numbers. So I'll go Bradbury. I went Jackson. And that's fair, too. To me, I'm going – it's actually the same point you made for the interceptions – that I think teams are going to try to target him a little bit. Yeah. And if you go back to they his will. rookie year, I think Jackson might have led the league in passes defended in his rookie year. He had almost 30, I think, mm-hmm. in his rookie season. So he's capable of doing it. I think he'll get more targets than Bradbury. That's why I went with that's why I went Jackson here. And Fields was with you. He picked Bradbury. All right. Which defensive back, Paul? Jackson had 17 passes defensed in 2017, by the way. Okay. Which is one less than what Bradbury had last year. So, you know, you certainly have a good argument there. Let me see here. Let me look up Jackson. I thought it was a higher number than that. Let me see. I'm well, looking. for someone to have 30 passes defensed in a year no, it's would crazy. be outrageous. No, I remember seeing it and almost being finding it outrageous, which is why I just want to double-check if my memory's bad. Oh, no, you're right. It was 17. My fault. Good call, Paul. I, I don't know that anybody's ever had 30. No, I don't think so either. I don't know why that number was sticking in my head. Whoops. Oh, well. Okay. Either way, my point stands. 17 is a lot, and then he had 10 in his second year. So yeah. those are pretty high numbers for him. Yeah, and, okay. and I think, you, again, you're using my argument against me, you might have a winner there. <laughs> All right. We will do two more, and then I have a phone call before we get to the sacks. All right. Let's go to defensive back leader in sacks, Paul. Who will lead the, the defensive backs in sacks? Paul and I, uh, Jeff and I, rather, both went with the same guy. Well, it's one of two, and I know that one of my two guys is going to be your guy. It's either McKinney or Peppers. There's no question. It's got now, to be one of those two I guys. Now, I do think there's an argument to be made for whomever you think the slot corner is going to be. Well, uh, if they I think play they, more I man, think, will he blitz that slot? Patrick Graham blitz that slot corner I a lot. think he will send that guy more often than they did last year, but I don't think it's going to be nearly enough okay. to compile the kind of numbers that one of these safeties could. And by the way, both Peppers and McKinney will find some time in the slot as well. So Yes, they will. They will take some of those pass rushes off of the hands of that cornerback. Uh, wow. See, oh, I wish you said to me sacks and tackles for a loss because no. then it would be Peppers unequivocal. Well, but that'd be too easy. But you didn't do that. No. You didn't do that. No. I'll go with Peppers. All right. So you snatched Jeff and I. We both said Peppers as well. Yeah. 
We'll see yeah. if Lance does the grand Don't slam. Don't be shocked if McKinney does it, though. And then Jeff wanted to make this a category, even though there was no number involved, but he was all excited about it, so I acquiesced. Okay. Who is your surprise breakout player, or however you want to phrase it, in the secondary this year? That maybe people aren't expecting a lot from, but you think is going to have a monster I think we're year. expecting a lot out of every single one of them. I think the Giants are going in thinking their secondary is a very big strength. I don't think any of those guys uh, is in a position to disappoint right now because we, we all believe that they're very talented, they're very good, they probably have their best football in front of them. So I think they're all they're all going to be really good. I I don't I don't have one. You were talking about Julian Love. Well, I, but I think Julian Love has shown that he can play ball. Well, I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's he's just a, a guy. Uh, I think Julian Love is is a pretty good player. I went Darnay Holmes and Paul went with Rob and Jeff went with Robinson. Oh, oh. Isn't it funny? I'm totally forgetting about Aaron Robinson. The guy's a third-round pick, and here I am thinking about the secondary. And do you know, since we began this conversation, he did not flash into my head once? Because I think that much of this secondary that I'm saying to myself, Aaron Robinson could easily be a redshirt. Isn't that, isn't that wild? It is. He's a third-round pick. He may wind up get, earning himself some important snaps this year. And I'm thinking, well, they're so good, he's a redshirt. Uh, all right, so Aaron Robinson's probably got to be my answer then because here I am thinking he's going to have trouble getting on the field. Okay, perfect. There we go. Okay, let's do a little copy or we'll take some calls, 973-667-1960. Hey, Giant fans, limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888 888- NYG 1925, or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, let's go to the phones at 973-667-1960. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, guys. It's Matt and Comac. Matt, what's up, pal? Hi. I've got an over-under for you guys. Yes. I'm going to set the number at 30. 30 more phone calls Charlie from Portland and Maine is allowed to make and bringing this show to a screeching halt before he is banned from calling anymore. Guys, first of all, I don't ban callers, and Charlie called once a week for literally the entire offseason when I put that rule in. One too many. He, he, the guy, it's the same shtick. He's like a Skip Bayless. He's just trolling you guys at this point. He can't actually believe the things that he says. He's actually and, jumped from topic to topic because I banned him from talking about the same topics over and over he's again. He's absolutely that, right? nuts. He's been thrown off of Twitter. Uh, for his nuts. It just search his name in the Twitter search bar. Nobody wants to listen to his calls anymore. Please stop taking them. Thank you. Guys, I don't ban calls. That's not what we do here. Yeah. That's, that's kind of rough. If, if, if you break rules, if you curse, if you swear, if you're rude or a jerk, that's fine. I'm not interested in banning calls for people's opinions. Sorry. Now, I'll limit frequency. I've done that. Charlie, yes. that, 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 that's my cue mm-hmm. you not to call in because you already called twice this week, so don't call in if you're listening, okay? That's number one. So I will, ban, I will f- limit frequency, but I'm not going to ban people for opinions, guys. We're Giant fans, okay? We work for the team. If you're a Giant fan, you're welcome to call into the show, and we'll listen to your opinion, and we'll have a good faith, honest debate about what you have to say. You don't even have to be a fan to call in the no, show. No, of course not. But you know what I mean. If, yes, if I that, know. That's what you're interested in, you're, and you're interested in calling in. 
you know, I don't really want to put myself in the position of defending Charlie, and I don't want to waste any more time on this, but I will just add one thing very briefly, and that is he does care about the team. He loves he is a the big team. Fan. He loves the he team. He loves the team and has been a fan since the 50s. So, you know, the guy, I don't know how many games he's been to, whether it was the Polo Grounds or Yankee Stadium or the Yale Bowl or Shea or Giant Stadium or MetLife Stadium. I don't have that number. Maybe we should ask him one day. But but he does care about the team. He has been around a long time. And every once in a while, he actually says something that makes sense. Yeah, well, once in a while. Again, Charlie, this is my (laughs) cue to you not to call in today because you have called in a couple times this week already. So just keep that in mind. But guys, I'm not I'm not banning callers for opinions. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. We're, I'm not going down that road. Because if you're a fan and you want to talk to us, you can call and we can talk. We can have a conversation. And guys, it's a 60-minute show. If you let somebody's call for five minutes, you know, bother you that much, then just hit the fast-forward button on it and jump ahead five minutes. It's not that big of a deal. And I've seen these, you know, complaints on Twitter. I've had to mute people over it because it's annoying. I'm not banning people from the show. Unless you, you know, curse or you're really rude and you're a jerk and things of that nature. And Charlie's a little cuckoo sometimes. We know that. <laughs> but he makes us laugh occasionally. Oh and, guys. Sometimes it's, it's we do happening. need that good laugh, too. I, I, have to, I have to confess. There are times when I could really use a grin. And it's not like in, by the way, June and July, there's a ton of things going on to talk about either. By the way, just FYI. Anyway, 973-667-1960. Caller, we have another caller on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, John, uh, it's in Paul, it's uh, Tim uh, in Charleston. How you doing? Tim, what's Hello, up, how, how are, are you, man? Uh, good. Uh, you know, it's funny, you just hung up on me, but I called right away back, and I got her back on the line. That's the second time that's happened. I've been lucky. But <laughs> you were complaining, you were talking about Charlie, and I said, wait, what do they think? I'm Charlie, you're hanging up on me. <laughs> I'm sure that was an accident. Yes. I know, I know. I was like, maybe I thought Charlie called back. But anyway, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, you know, I listen every day. But um, I went through, and, um, and and we'll talk about this in a future time, some of my numbers. But, you know, I listened to both your prediction, all your prediction shows on the or the over-under shows. And when I was listening the other day, we were doing sacks. A couple of things. One thing that when you went through uh, the interior defensive linemen, the edge rushers, etc., the two things that I think we're, we're lacking because I was also trying to come up with an aggregate number, you know, to see where our over-unders fall compared to our team prediction. Yes. And and the one thing, the, the two things, is one is, I mean, you didn't mention Blake Martinez individually, but I was thinking of, like, uh, you might call it the field, interior linebackers, call anybody who works, including Coughlin or whoever else. Um, and then you mentioned the edge rushers, but there are a couple other guys who may be making the team who may get an opportunity there, um, and I'm, I'm thinking about, like, field, you know, again, field, call it field. And the one number that I wish you had put out there, because we talked about, you talked about who the leaders of the defensive backs would be in, in interception. Um, but we, one thing you didn't mention is, as the group, how many interceptions would the defensive backs have? And, and, and before you respond to that, I'm just going to throw out my numbers a little bit and then listen to what you have to say. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, my over-unders where I added them up were way over my team prediction, which I think will be 45-plus. So I got kind of a high over-under on the team because I think the defensive line, I think we're going to have more pass rush pressure this year. Um, I think we're going to be, again, like Paul said earlier, we will be more competitive in games, which will force teams to pass more. 
and pressure situations. And I think we are going to have a lot more opportunities to make interceptions. And I, I my personal top pick for most is McKinney. Um, and Peppers is actually my second. But um, but besides that, um, I um, I came up with over 45. And I came up with a minimum of, and I haven't I didn't thought about it, I think maybe even be hard. But I came up with seven for the defensive back. So I was wondering if you could comment on what you might consider the over-under to be for the defensive back group in interceptions. I'm sorry, not in interceptions, in sacks. My bad. Um, and, and, um, and like, maybe if you did field on inside linebackers and, and uh, any remaining edge rushers that you didn't go through individually. And now that you could do later in the show because I know you haven't even gotten to the edge rushers yet. Good question. Um, last year, if you look at just defensive backs, I'm going to have to do this math um, on the fly well, here. Ryan had, Ryan had one. Pepper's at two and a half, so that puts it at three and a half. Uh, Bradbury did not have any. Uh, Darnay Holmes had a half. Yadam had a half. So that's now up to four and a half. Uh, and I think that's it, that's it, right? That's it. That's it. So four and a half last year from the secondary. I would go over that for sure because I think the team will blitz more frequently this year. So yeah, I mean, if, yeah, I would say maybe around six this year, aggregate from the from the from the defensive backfield. Paul, does that sound about right to you? I don't think that's a bad guess, but I'll tell you this, John: if the Giants are able to get a lot more out of their front seven, if their linebackers, their slash edge rushers, yeah. can get them a lot more heat, I don't know. There'll they be are, less though. of a reason to blitz the secondary. Yeah, I I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I I don't know. Again, we've talked about this menu of edge rushers that they have. I mean, how many of those guys are going to be impactful? I don't know the answer to that right, right. now. To me, that is a real wild card. Oh, no. That, that, in fact, if there's one wild card on the entire defense, that's what it is. Yeah, big time. And then if you look at the inside linebackers, Blake had three last year. Carter Coughlin had one, but I believe he was rushing from the edge when he got mm-hmm. that sack. And Cam Brown... Uh, did not have any. So you did not Crowder have Crowder had one too, John. And Crowder had one as well. I was going to get that. Thank you, yeah. Paul. So that's four and a half total from the interior backers. And I think, again, since I think they're going to blitz more, I'd put that number a bit higher at five or six. So if you want to talk about non-hand-in-the-dirt players for sacks this year, if you can get them over 10, you know, 10 to 12, I think that would be a good number for off offline, off-the-ball players. For the Giants this year on defense, that's how I look at it. Yeah. At least, okay. I had I had the DBs at seven, and I had the interior linebackers at three and a half. That yeah. might be a little light, but I think you know. Again, we're you're uh, I'm at like ten and a half. I might up it to eleven. I think that's a good number. And if and if you get, um, you know, and and then with the individual uh, defensive linemen and the edge rushers, I think that puts us in a good shape and. You know, I, I, I hate I, I don't even want to say this number, but when I added up my over unders, now obviously I went under on some of my own over unders, you know, but just trying to set them and be fair because if if you're always in one direction, it means you're not setting a good number, like you point out, John. Yeah. Um. But I I, I mean, when I added them up, I was like, holy schmoly! <laughs> I came up I, I came up with fifty two and a half, but I know that ain't happening. But oh, I fifty two and a half. Yeah, Holy yeah, yeah. smokes, man. You're bringing back Tuck and O.C. and Stray, aren't you? <laughs> hey, I, I got to say something to John Paul is is that, um, you know, if you add up your over-unders, 
um, you know what your over unders are. They're yeah. usually way over. They're usually quite a bit over what your team likelihood is because you know when you do over unders, you're doing it assume that every player is going to be there for every game. Correct. Which sure. right. Hurt, and they're going to be under, and they're going to be some way under. Some are going to be zero. You know, so yeah. so that you take. You know, but I don't. Th- I think it's reasonable given all the other factors that we've already talked about. I I I, I mean I definitely think the Giants are. I mean, you know, I was surprised that they were 12th last year, but, um, or maybe that was interception. No, they were 12th. Yeah, you're right. They were, yeah. they were tied for 12th with 40 sacks. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I could see them being in that 45 to 47 range this year, honestly. Well, remember, my going- rule of thumb, and it's, it's always been the case, and now it's got to go up because there are 17 regular season games, is to shoot for 42. That's my number. Because more often than not, 42 is going to get you right there to the fringe of being the top 10 in terms of sack totals. <laughs> so that's the number that I'm always shooting for every year. It's like, can you get to 42 with the cluster of players that you have? I look at what the Giants had last year, and they came up with 40, as John just mentioned. Can they right. get to 42 this year? I, I think if just one, and maybe two, but just one of those edge guys busts out, and does something like eight, nine, or ten? I think they should be able to get to forty-two. You know, and, and to think, one of the, my rationales is is you know I, I I believe that barring things going wrong this year, the Giants are poised to win ten games. Now, even if it's nine, but but God, that would be I would be slightly disappointed. But if they win ten games, that means they're going to be playing from ahead more. That means teams are going to have to pass more and try to play catch up. That means that they're going to be able to pin their ear back, pin their ears back, and rush. And and not only will will that affect the, the sack numbers, but I think that affects the interception numbers. And I yeah. think those, those 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 impact plays on defense are going to go up more considerably than just um, the addition of an extra game. You know, they're going to go up more than one sixteen. I think they're going to go up substantially. That's my personal opinion. All right, Tim. Appreciate the Good call, points. my friend. Thank you, guys. All right, Paul. Since we were just talking about it, do you want to do our over-under for total sacks before we do the individual players? Sure. Why not? I set the number at 42 and a half. <laughs> and I'm going over. <laughs> you just you just heard me say it before, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to change it now that you gave me your number. I'm going over. Okay. Well, you said if one of those edge guys breaks out for eight or nine, they get to over 42. And I don't think that's out of the question. Okay. But do you I think, think, it's, but I do think you, that's not the guys. question, though? Do you think it's going to happen? Well, I'm going to say yes because okay. I'm going over. Shocking. I, I mean, I, I literally have a, a, a meatloaf of guys in front of me at the edge rusher position. The odds have to be, have to be, that at least one of them is going to break out. I mean, if not, that's going to be a real bummer. Well, I mean, the Giants have been looking for an edge guy to get eight and to get like nine sacks I know, for like eight years. I know, I know, but 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 here's the thing, John. It's not just that they have inexperienced guys; they've got some veterans there too. And I don't know. There's something about Odenabo that says to me he's going to be pretty good. All right, well, let's find out. 973-667-1960, that's the number. We'll get a couple more calls in for the next 20 minutes as we can finish our over-unders. So, Paul, let's get to sacks here. You just mentioned our friend Odenabo. So why don't yes. we start with him? I put his over-under at four and a half. Oh, he's over. 
He's over. Now, here's my thing with Odenabo, and this is a debate I had with, with Jeff. Part of me thinks that Odenabo might not get a ton of pass rushing snaps from the edge, and he'll be more of a early down edge run defender because of his size and strength out there. He's kind of a guy that can move inside on passing downs, and he's a little bit bigger for a guy that's going to play stand-up on the edge. So that was my thoughts for going under on the 4.5. Jeff and you both went over on him. I just wonder if he's going to be one of the primary third-down pass rushers or not. Well, let's put it this way. When he was the Robin pass rusher on the edge a couple of years ago with the Vikings, he had his best year. Well, he played, remember, he was inside a lot. He that did year play some inside also, there's no question. But then they moved him even more inside, and that didn't work out no, nearly no, as he well. No, well, he was inside more in his big sack year, and then last year he was outside more. I forget what the number was, though, John. I thought he had more sacks on the outside that season. For the number of snaps, I thought he, I thought he had more. Now I'd have to find that somewhere. I, I, I did. I, see, I, I he, actually looked at his every one of his sacks and I graded them. I thought it was I the opposite. I, I thought his big sack year, he got most oh, of his sacks inside. I mm. don't have. I don't. I don't have, have it. Sheet. I don't have it in front of me either. So, I guess we'll agree I did to disagree. Do it. Here's the point. Well, that's all right. <laughs> that's it, it's irrelevant. Yes. Here, here, here's the. Here is the point. If the Giants find that Odenabo as. Uh, asserts himself as a Robin pass rusher early in the season, they would be crazy not to just let him have it. Okay? Mm-hmm. I appreciate what you're saying. We know he can play some inside. We, we've heard Dave Gettleman even talk about the fact that they'd like to move him around some. I get that. But now, if at the beginning of the year, they see that he's able to get heat from that edge, they would be just absolutely foolish to take him off. Say, look, this is what you're doing. You seem like you got it down. Go for it, baby. Just go for it. And just leave him there and let him do what he needs to do. And I would, I could see him seizing the edge rush, pass rushing role early in the year and not giving it up. I it, could see that happening. And if he does that, that's an easy over. So I understand why he went in that direction. That's why I'm going there. All right, we just, you mentioned him being Robin. Do you want to go Batman next? Sure. We put Leonard Williams over under at eight and a half. Leonard Williams sacks eight and a half. Ooh, I got a tough one for Paulie. And by the way, this is my goal for Jeff. I talked to Jeff, obviously, when we did this for the first time on Wednesday. Oh, Paul, I said, Jeff, I got to pick a number here that it's going to make Paul think. And it's going to make it tough on him to go over if I give him this number. So I think I, I, think I succeeded. Yeah, you did. You did, because here's the thing. I I don't believe that he will have as easy a time, and I don't mean this in any kind of derogatory fashion, but having Tomlinson on that defensive front with you does occupy some attention. And while I think the Giants will be okay against the run with their newfangled front, I do believe that, that Tomlinson was a help and allowing to spring Williams for as much as he was able to do in the pass rush. I'm not so sure that Shelton or Johnson, or even if they wind up moving Adenabo inside, or moving Dexter Lawrence in, on the inside, and, and maybe play somebody else outside, I'm just not so sure that anybody else can provide the necessary distraction 
that Tomlinson provided to allow Williams to get the 11.5. I think Williams is going to have a terrific year. It would not surprise me at all if he did get double-digit sacks. I think nine is a much more realistic number. And so eight and a half, huh, John? Eight and a half. <laughs> I really, I really see nine. I really okay. see nine so in my crystal go, ball. Then so you gotta go over. So I, I I have to go over. And remember, I have always been a big believer in Leonard Williams. So I have to go over. All right, Jeff went over there as well. I went under, and I've talked about this. Defensive tackles just don't do back-to-back double-digit sack seasons. It's very difficult to do in the league. It's a position where it's hard to get sacks consistently week in, week out. There's just a lot of traffic in there. I do think the way the Giants work their front plays to his advantage, which allows him to get more of those opportunities. But I think I think he probably finishes with eight or seven and a half, which, by the way, if you throw last year out, would be a career high for him. So it's not like that's not still an excellent year. Right. So that's where I see him falling. In you terms know what, of those John? Numbers. And I've been toying with this. You know me. I'm in my laboratory the whole offseason going through tape and stats and everything else. And I've been toying with something. And one day when I get a chance to sit down with Patrick Graham, and I have no idea when that will be because of the protocols, but I've got some thoughts about using, using a four-man down and I've also got some thoughts about using a wide nine combination with the kind of talent that they now have on this roster. I don't think they're necessarily going to – they don't have to be married to making Leonard Williams the the pseudo inside three technique guy out of their formation that they used last year. I, I could see them using some flip-flop formations that you have not seen before that could actually be very effective – Giving the skill sets of the guys that they now have in the front seven. Hey, look, but, he, he played. But like, that's me in my laboratory yeah, now. Well, okay, he, he did play thirty percent or so of his snaps outside last year. Yes, he so. did. And I could see him playing even more of those. I could see it happening if if the parts if 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 uh, Patrick Graham juggled some of the parts the way that I've diagrammed it out. I could see that happening, and I think it could work. But again, that's just me and my mad scientist ways in my laboratory. You know, here's the thing. We've talked about some of the, you know, rules and protocols that are going to be in place this year, maintaining that tier system. And we've always talked about how it's a negotiation between the NFL and the NFLPA. I need to look into the fact whether or not it's just the Giants assistant coaches making those requests to keep you away from them. I think that's possible. <laughs> Your thoughts. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I, I don't think you should give them any ideas. That's what I think. <laughs> Paul, permanently <laughs> untiered. Oh, my goodness. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. All right, let's go to Big Dexter Lawrence next, Paul. I put his over-under at four and a half. If you look at his career numbers, um, he's kind of been in the same neighborhood his first two years. As a rookie, he had two and a half sacks and limited snaps. Last year, his number jumped up to four. So where do you see Dexter Lawrence landing in 2021? And again, this question comes down to what types of fronts are they going to play and where is he going to play in them? Because if he's at the nose a lot, this could be difficult. Uh, bingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and John, would it surprise you if that's one of their key packages? It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that's, not a, that's or, a potential. Not on early downs, though. No, 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 no. But, right. but, but on pass rush downs. Sure, I think that's possible. Could, could they just decide, you know what? We're going to go with a combination of Lawrence in the middle, and then if it's a four-man front, 
you got any kind of mixtures that you could put in that four-man front. Sure. And if you decide to go three-man front with extra edge rushers, you got any kinds of combinations that you can do with that. And this is this is what I'm fussing around with on my diagrams down here. You should see my office. I got all kinds of X's and O's all over the place. Looks like a tic-tac-toe board. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, what is Graham going to do? I'm I'm just I'm enamored with the possibilities. So the number again you gave me was four and a half. Yeah. Oh. I will go under. Okay. I went. You went under with Jeff. I went over here. I just think that Dexter Lawrence is due for a breakout. The big nose tackle from Tampa. The name escapes me. Help me, Paul. You're not McCoy. No, Vita Vea. Oh, so, oh yeah, the former uh, guy from Texas. Yes, yeah, it took him a couple of years to kind of get going, and in his third year, he kind of became a dominant player. So I think that's where Dexter Lawrence is heading. Washington, I should say, Vita Vea. Yes, I just he was, looked him he was up. Washington, bad. correct? That's okay. yeah, Washington, right? All right, he I would has, counter. I would counter this a, though. Actually, real quick, he has such a such a unique combination of size and quickness that you just don't see a lot. Yeah, that I I I get where you're coming from with with all the X's and O's, where he lines up. All that's valid. I'm not arguing any of that. I think he made great points. My gut tells me he's due for a breakout year, so that's what I'm going with. All right, and 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 here's where the philosophy becomes the key point in these numbers. If you're Patrick Graham, okay, on a week-to-week basis, you're going to try to create the best one-on-one matchups that you can get against the other team's offensive line and their tight end or their chipping back or whoever it is that's going to be in the pass protection scheme. Now, I'm thinking Dexter Lawrence is best going to be used to attract attention and to attract some beef and some body counts. Yes, yeah, see, I, see, I to think free up other guys. Yeah, I think that's what. See, to me, I look at the opposite way. I think when teams show up to game plan against the Giants defense, they're going to put a huge, you know, bullseye on Leonard Williams and say that guy's not beating us. So I think that might open up some opportunities for Dexter Lawrence one on one against the center, one on one against the guard, where he can win with power and win with quickness and get to the quarterback quickly. You know, the, the, the shortest distance no, between the quarterback it, and the tackle is a straight line, right? Yeah, but you're talking about the offensive coordinator. I'm talking about what Patrick Graham's going to do. I understand. I'm looking at it from the other perspective. You're, yeah, you're looking at the other side of the fence, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with looking at the other side of the fence because that's an angle that has to be played too. I'm saying if I'm Patrick Graham, though, who is the guy – that I'm going to want to get in a one-on-one matchup? Who is the guy that that has a chance, more often than not, to win out of the scheme that they throw against us? Now, what's going to happen? Teams are going to try to throw doubles at Leonard Williams, right? That's the first thing they're going to do. Then, second thing they're going to try to do is, if I'm, they're going to anticipate that Lawrence is going to try to act a little bit more like Tomlinson, I believe, to try to take some of that off of Williams. Well, to me, if I'm Patrick Graham, then it's one of the other guys, one of the wild card guys, 
who I need to make sure then is in a favorable one-on-one so that if they're thinking about Williams and they're thinking that I'm going to use Lawrence to take some of the attention away from him, then my third guy is going to blindside them. And so I'm going to try to scheme to free up one of my X-Factor guys. Could that X-Factor guy be Ziminez? Could that X-Factor guy be Odenabo? Could that X-Factor guy be Lorenzo Carter? Could that, who knows, maybe it's Ellerson Smith. I, I, I don't know. But that's, that's the angle that I'm looking at here, John, which is one of the reasons why I think Lawrence may wind up playing a few more snaps this year as an interior guy to help draw attention up the middle with that push to where, believe it or not, they'll be worried more about that and they'll, they'll pay more attention to that on the other side and I'll be able to, and I know this sounds crazy, but I'll be able to sneak somebody off the edge. All right, give me – I have five edge rushers that we did. Select your edge rusher, Paul. Oh, my God. And this, Yeah, this is why it's just a total mishmash <laughs> and a wild card that you can't believe. Yep. So, so did you considered Odenabo there. We've already done him. Yep, we did him. So, I guess we'll go uh, Carter next. I'm sorry, so we only have four left. There's already did Odenabo. Yeah, right. you got to do Carter. Yes. So, let's do Carter. We put his over-under at five. I went under. Because I'm, I'm gonna worried go about two. the explosiveness off the Achilles. If he was 100% healthy, I think I'd go over here. But the injury makes me worry just enough to go under the five. Jeff went over the five. Yeah, I, I like Carter as an under here. I, I, I suspect I suspect he is going to be more hold the point of attack guy and a guy who gets up and down the line and compiles a bunch of tackles against the run and plays extremely stout. I I think he's going to be, and and quite frankly, he may also do some some, some strong side linebacker tight end coverage too. I don't think that's out of the question this year. I don't think so either, but also the argument for it, by the way, and both of us went under, so I'm just playing devil's advocate here is when he was healthy last year before his injury, he played, yep. what was it, 85 90% of the snaps? He was on the field all the time. All the time. So he's naturally going to get some pass rushing opportunities just he by is. being on the field. He is. But see, with the other pass rushers in this edge room that we're talking about, I don't necessarily think he has quick the quickness that they have or the explosiveness that they have in terms of making a beeline to the pocket. So, therefore, I think those other fellas will get more flat-out uh, pass rush opportunities than Carter, who I believe, I truly believe, and my goodness, please, don't, don't people call me up now for the next month about this, but I think what I would like to see him do is play a little bit more of a Carl Banks kind of role in this defense. And I'm not comparing him to Banks, okay? Please, I'm not. But that kind of role. No, set the edge, clean up tackles, tackles for loss, and, and the intimidate run. and yeah. beat people up at no, the line of scrimmage. I know what you mean. That's what I'm talking about. You know, line up over the tight end, you know, push them off the line of scrimmage, that sort of stuff. Cr- crunch that edge down so yeah. that they can't set it. Basically break that 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 edge wedge that the offense wants to set with either their their tackle, their guard pulling, their running back, their tight end, break that edge so that they can't set it. Banks was great at that. Right. And I could see Carter being that guy. I think that's I think I think that's where his strength is right now too by the way. So I think So he's an sense. under. 
I, he's an under for me as well. Pick your next edge rusher. O'Shane Zimenez. O'Shane Zimenez. We put him at four flat. Ha, <laughs> I got you again. I, I love that deep breath when you're thinking. It makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Well, you know, because if Adenabo seizes the role, if that's what he winds up doing, then Zimenez won't get as many opportunities. And again, and so, shoulder injuries are no joke either, by the way. No, they're not. They're not. Now, what I do know is that his number one goal over the last two seasons was to enhance his strength. Yep. And we have already heard from the MMA trainer who has worked with both Carter and Zimenez on an earlier edition of BBKL. And they have done a lot of work with their hand fighting, which is a key to pass rush. So if he's improved his strength and he's improved his hand fighting, boy... I'd, I'd tell you what, John, I could see him getting five. I could. I could see him getting five. I'm, I'm going to go, you said four? Four flat. Four flat. So oh, four and man. a half will be an over. All right. I, I'll and by go, the way, I, I hate not doing halves here because you get ties that way. Yeah. But I thought four and a half was too high. I thought three and a half was too low. So I, I had to go with four flat. I'm going to reluctantly go over. Okay. Me and Jeff Bowen under on this one just because I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. To your point, I think the way if I had to guess how this is going to go, which is why I, I went under on Odenabo, you went over. I think Carter is going to be one of those guys that's on the field almost all the time. And I think the other edge rusher spot is going to be a huge rotation based on matchup situations, down and distance, right. formation, package. Right. So I just don't know how many snaps Zimenez is going to get in that mix because there's still two other guys we haven't even talked about, by the way. So until I know that, I have trouble going over on this. So I'm going to go under for well, Zimenez at four. John, let me float something by you. It would not surprise me, okay, if the Giants use in their sub package some two down fronts with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams being the only guys who are down. And then three edge guys standing Would up, walking around. Would not surprise me nope. at all. In I fact, think... I'm expecting it. It's one of the diagrams on my desk right oh, now. Boy. I have that diagram prepared. What's that? I'm trying to think. Of what I th- It's either from Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Parks and Rep, that meme that shows up on Twitter with the guy with all, like, the red – lines and the bulletin board with the pictures and I connecting I, all the dots. I don't dots. know, but that's that's Coach Graham right now. No, that's you in your basement right now is what it is. <laughs> the guy's manic and crazy with all sorts of crazy stuff on the wall that nobody understands but him. That's you. <laughs> Just understand oh, I... that. That's you. Like, you know in the movies where the guy's in jail and he ends up, like, dying in jail and they show up and he's got all the crazy stuff written on the walls and, oh. and they like, try to decipher it? That's you. Without the dying in jail part, obviously. Yes, but that's okay. You. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Thank you. I'm glad you're going to keep me at yeah. least legally sane in that regard. Well, well no, I'm, I'm not keeping you sane. I'm just keeping you alive. Oh, There's just keeping me legal. No, okay. alive, alive. Alive, <laughs> alive. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I truly, I, I, I mean, these are the kinds of things that I spend a lot of time doing, John. I, I, I don't, I mean, I joke about it, but I'm very, I God, love I the game. Know. I I'd love either. the game, and I, if I had a chance to talk to Coach Graham before the season, I would love to spend an hour with him going over some of these things because I've been doing this for so long, and I've seen so many different things. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to anticipate 
some of the newfangled things that all of a sudden when they bring them out, the press box is going to be sitting there saying, well, what the hell is that? Where'd that come from? And I'll be like, oh, I had this drawn up three months ago in my basement. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. You are out of your damn mind. I am out of my mind. Uh, all right, so we got two left. Which rookie do you want to do, Ellerson or Aziz? Uh, let's go to Smith. All right, let's go to Ellerson Smith. Again, this is playing time, Paul. It's purely playing time. I struggled where to put this number because we don't yeah. know how much he's going to play, so I just put it at two and a half. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I both went over, but this is really just going to be dependent on opportunity. It really is, and and I've been very strong about feeling that he should be more down than he should be standing up. Paul, I, you'd be shocked, and you edit them, so you see what I write about. The three, the three areas that I get questions about the most on the mailbag, and I said this to, to Jeff the other day, mm-hmm. it's Daniel Jones is one. Yep. The offensive line is two. Yep. Actually, the third one would be um, Evan Ingram. People are obsessed with Evan Ingram well, questions. Well, but I get the, that's another story entirely. That's like a disease. Moving him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honestly, the last three years, moving Evan Ingram to wide receiver might be the most common question I get, and I just delete them immediately when the, I yeah, see them there's now. There's no point even no, wasting your breath. I'm not. I'm not. But then the next guy that I get the most questions about is Ellerson Smith. Yes. Giant fans are pumped up about Ellerson Smith. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see him with his hand down uh, more so than standing up. And, and how they decide to deploy him is going to be a big factor in the number. Now, your number again is two and a half? Yeah. I, I, look, I hope that the Giants get enough explosion out of their other edge guys that they can redshirt Ellerson Smith. I really hope that's the case. And I think that's a possibility. It would it wouldn't surprise me. In fact, I would be very pleased. So I will go under. Okay. Not because I, I don't think the kid has ability, because if you look at his tape, he certainly has ability. But I, I hope they don't need him to get three, four, five sacks this year. Yeah, I agree. He, he, he could be, but I hope they don't need him. If they need him to do that, that could be trouble. It could be. All right, final guy, and Jeff pushed me on this one. So this might be a little bit higher than I want it to be. But Jeff, Ojolari. but yes, but but Jeff pushed me on the number, on Mister Ojolari. Yeah, five and a half. Five and a half. Yep. Jeff still went over, and I went under. I just think rookie pass rushers. It's always it's always hard. It's well, always hard. You have you have a couple of factors that work against them, John. Okay, number one, we always talk about the speed of the game. It picks up when you're coming from the NCAA level to get to the NFL. And those same speed rushing techniques that they used in the SEC will not work really well in the NFL. They've got to do better. And remember, the the type of offensive tackles he's going to see every week in the NFL <laughs> are literally better than any player he's ever gone against in college. This would be very true. Okay, this would be very, very true. And, and... What is the other huge factor that we always talk about with these guys? And by the way, and folks, just FYI, we're being very honest here because you know how much Paul and I were excited about Ojolari as a second-round pick. I talked about him as a potential first-round pick when they came up to pick at 20. I thought he was in the mix there for me personally in terms of my evaluation. So I love him as a player, but it's again, it's rookie pass rushers and it's circumstance here. Correct. And, and outside of the speed factor, which is incredibly difficult – to, to predict as a rookie, okay, about what he's really going to have to adjust to. The other huge factor, and and it helps Ojolari a bit 
because in this case, coming from the SEC, as opposed to, let's say, a guy like Ximenez, who, by the way, had quickness, had moves, but did not have the necessary strength. And that is a very big deal. For these outside edge guys to go up against your 320-pound, 330-pound offensive tackles, there are going to be times that they are going to lock up on you. And if you don't have that strength, you don't have a chance, period. They will bully you, and you're not going to be able to move them. And it's just that simple. And it will take guys sometimes as many as three years to mature physically to get their strength up to the point where they can do what they have to do. Even Lorenzo Carter has had to learn that. Look at him now, John, compared to when he was a rookie. The, the, the strength component is so much better now that he has physically matured that he has a chance to do what it is that he wants to do, even if it's just playing against the run. So I'm going to say under, and it's not because I think old Jolari's a bust, because I don't think he will be, but I think that old Jolari's best football is going to come in the days ahead, not necessarily come in 2021. I agree. Same thing for Ellison Smith. That's what I said. I said if you're talking about three years from now, it's a different question than talking about 2021. Not Paul. everybody can be LT. In yes. fact, there's only one. All right, I have a caller on the line, Paul. I want to squeeze him in. They've been waiting patiently, okay? Yeah. Okay, let's get to him. 973-667-1960. Caller, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, hi, guys. This is uh, Phil from North Carolina. Hey, Phil. Hey, I'm enjoying the Friday conversation. It's like a perfect segue to the weekend, so thank you. Oh, by the way, Phil, hey, I'm uh, sorry. Couple... I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Paul, were you over or under then on Smith? I was under on You're Smith. You were under. Okay, just wanted to write that down. I missed that one. Okay, go ahead, Phil. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, just, a, just a comment. Uh, you know, I'm really, John, glad you take that philosophy and no censorship because – to me, we have too much <laughs> censorship in this society, and we don't know how to have a, a, a civil dialogue. Even though you may not like the dialogue, it's as long as as long as there is dialogue, I think that's good. So, um, and uh, but anyway, I love the discussion on defense. I was a defensive coordinator for six years in junior high kids, and uh, the one thing that I think is really tricky about the the defense here is that. You know, I think nowadays with this quick passing game, a lot of your most effective uh, rushes are going to defensive rushes or uh, pressures are going to come from the slot, the slot corner, and uh, that's really the fastest guy to get to disrupt the, co- the quarterback on these fast, uh, quick passing games. So, I think the slot corner is going to play a big role in in that pressure pressure and i'm not sure you know so our numbers i think for sacks are going to be really widely diffuse and not like accumulated by a few people i agree phil like spread out if we don't have one guy that gets to nine it would not surprise me right right and uh and i do like paul's suggestion about inside pressure that's the other element that gets you quick pressure right inside pressure so Slots and inside pressures, I think, are the uh, the way to go. And I can see us, like, Darnay looked pretty good, but I can also see Robinson and, you know, flip-flopping with Jackson and doing all that stuff as potential rushers. 
So I'll take it off the air. And uh, thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate your your show. Thank you, Phil. I agree. Look, I think the addition of Jackson Paul, and we talked about playing more man to man, which I do agree with, but it also is going to allow you to blitz more because you don't have to worry about being as careful as keeping that extra player over the top because you trust two corners out there to cover all over the field, whether it's in zone or man. So to me, I think the Giants' blitz rate, which was around middle of the league last year, was right around league average. I think that could definitely bounce up a little bit this year because they trust Jackson more than they trusted whomever was out there playing corner last year. Yeah. Um, John, you know, I think this is all part of why we're all so excited about the 2021 season. Because unlike some prior years where we could not really debate these issues because we just flat out knew the Giants didn't either have enough of good starters or we figured depth-wise with the sub-packages and the mixtures that they could use, they weren't going to be quite as talented as they are now. There is just so much to like about this team. This is why the puzzle pieces become so intriguing. And I, I, for one, I'm just I'm salivating. I, I'm just absolutely thrilled with what this roster is going to look like come September. And it's it's incredibly exciting for me. And that that's one of the reasons why I have my basement with all these X's and O's on the wallpaper. <laughs> I am going to hold on one second while we're on. I want to get your reaction when you see it. Do you have do you happen to have Twitter open, Paul Dettino? Twitter? Let me see. Yeah, I got Twitter open. What do you want right, me to do? Well, I'm going to send you right now. <laughs> I'm adding you. And you're going to get to see this meme that I'm talking about. Stand by. Okay. Bring this up. I got to bring up my gifts thing. Uh, hold on. I know this is great radio. I know it. It's great. <laughs> there are a few other things on Twitter that, that have just popped up on my timeline that are rather interesting, too. Yes. Let me see if I can try to find it here. I'm trying to think what I... Oh, I bet you it would be... Oh, wow. T.J. Watt just got married. Oh, did he? Good for him. He's pretty, there's a really nice uh, pictorial here of him proposing to his girlfriend, and she said yes. Good for him. <laughs> Great. He's a good dude. I, I I I like the Watt brothers. Always have. All right, here we go. Look at Twitter. Look at your notifications, Paul. It's coming in. This is you. <laughs> uh, okay. No, didn't didn't make it, John. Okay, give it a second. Oh, It'll come in. Well, here we go. Oh, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Am I wrong? I, I can't. Uh, I can't deny. <laughs> I can't deny. I I I have literally and and I I've napkins and scratch pieces of paper. Oh, you don't like those little pads that you get at the hotel, that they they wind up in your briefcase because you take them to the arena or take them to the stadium. And then when I bring my, my luggage back or my bags back home in my office, I unpack my stuff, you know, because i got to pack it for the next event. So I've got, I've got a bunch of these things, and so these small notepads are all over my desk. A bunch of napkins are all over my desk, and I've got scratchings and scrawls of these plays all over them. Paul, can to you... which the truth is I'm going to have to throw them all out because my wife can't stand it can anymore. Can you please, like, unplug just a little bit before training camp starts? Like a weekend? I'm just getting ready, John. I'm souped up. Well, that... I'm, I'm ramping up. I am, I am ramping up already. When I turned that calendar to July, I started to ramp up. The nuclear reactor has started. I'm ready to go. Are you done? Have a great day. Will you please? 
Have a great weekend, Paul. And again, Thank you, John. no live shows next week, folks. So Lance, Paul, and Jeff will record some more opponent previews. They'll be up on the website, Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and, of course, all your favorite podcast platforms. Then we'll be back live, hopefully from the facility, on Monday, July 19th. Backdoor old 201-939 number, uh, assuming all that is still in in place, which I actually should double-check that when I go back and do some technical setup after we finish the show tonight. Head back over to the facility. Paul, good stuff, my friend. All right, John. Fun program. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmoke. Thanks for being with us for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, of course, don't forget, do you want a giant suite? Well, don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888 888- NYG1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. For Paul Dottino, I am John Schmunk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday.